Hey, 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 what the fuck is going on? Uh, it's me again for your February Basebox podcast, your hostess, Samantha, uh, with Cybergroove Agency. We rep bass music, including drum and bass, dubstep, and electro at our socials. On Facebook, we are CG Agency. Insta, we are Cybergroove AM. Twitter, CG Agency. And if you like what you hear, like and subscribe. If you don't, just do it because you like me. Appreciate. Much love. Um, if you have any suggestions, would love to hear them. So, let's see what has been going on. Not a lot for me to be honest, the last we spoke, I was asking my friend Brandy, I'm like, I don't know what to, how to intro this. What do I say? She's like, oh, you found out that when you went to the New Year's party that everybody got COVID except for you. So yes, I went to that New Year's party with 15 people and everybody got COVID. Except for me. And then somebody was like, because I went to that house recently because everyone had already had COVID. So it's like, all right, I guess it's safe to go again. Um, but when I went, some girls like, oh, do you have O blood? And I was like, yeah, I actually have O positive blood. She was like, oh, I've heard that's a thing. But then I found out another girl that was there has O positive blood. So don't take my advice. Keep wearing your masks. Keep staying safe. I'm just saying that's a weird coincidence. Um, the next thing I'm going to discuss is the Super Bowl halftime show. So lots of different thoughts, opinions. Um, I remember seeing him at hard summer in 2015 my girlfriend was like I love him because like he's like talks so dirty like all of his songs are so nasty and I hadn't even realized it but if you think about it it's true also my other friend told me that Ariana Grande is a nasty ass bitch and just talks about dirty shit all the time too which didn't realize that but also true. Um, I also read this article that said, don't expect any special guests, which kind of brings me to my next opinion about the halftime show. I wish he had done like a cover or something, like something to get everyone pumped up. Um, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't super impressed personally. A lot of people were like, uh, this makes me miss live shows, which absolutely it's obvious he probably was live. I, I don't understand why people would not think he was live. He has a beautiful voice. He knows how to give a live performance. So absolutely he was live. Um, but yeah, he should have done like a cover song. I miss the days of Left Shark. The Missy Elliott, um, 
halftime show brought me to tears. The Janet Jackson nipple. There just really wasn't something to talk about afterwards, except for all of the memes that came from his O face. So, uh, yeah, personally, I wasn't super impressed, but it is on brand for the time. I think it was done pretty, I guess, classy or well, well organized for the most part. They were all social distancing until kind of the middle, and I'm sure they all got COVID tests, but there wasn't like something to talk about afterwards, except for his O face and all of the memes that came out of it. Uh, I was impressed at the end for the blinded by the lights. However, it would have been super uh, like marketing technique uh, smart to do the TikTok dance because a lot of people would have been like, ah, he's doing the blinded by the lights TikTok dance, but they didn't do that. Uh, I think that would have been pretty fucking smart though. So just my opinion. Uh, my next conversation of discussion for the music news is the Diplo controversy for the Super Bowl gathering, which I see articles that are like, well, he got his vaccination, but even if you got your vaccination, should be, should you be promoting other people to gather like in a non-safe surrounding? No. I mean, most DJs don't really have to deal with a lot of people in a crowded area because they're up DJing. So mm, I don't know. I kind of can't get behind that. Uh, my next topic of news is we discussed Flux Pavilion moving on to a different genre. And if you heard his new album, it's very fluxy and it's like future base. So he's not moving away from his original sound. He's still like throwing down the same flux bass lines. Uh, it's still very bassy. Uh, I think it was kind of a charade to be like, oh, I'm leaving dubstep, but then start producing future bass, future house. What? Uh, anyway, <clears throat> I was talking to my friend the other day and I was like, bro, you should really start promoting on TikTok. There's a lot of people, which we've discussed before, that are like making waves on TikTok because it's getting so huge. And I watched, uh, Oscar Wilde from Caked Up. He made like maybe three to five TikToks, but then he recently started doing mashups which is his style now and putting them on TikTok, and he gained like fucking, I don't even know, 2 million followers in two days. So proving my point, TikTok, if you can find the right way to promote yourself, these people that don't even know about music or know how to produce or DJ or mash up on a production software 
they will fucking go nuts. So if you are considering trying to get big, which is what everyone's trying to do right now, is you have to get big on the Internet because where the fuck else are you going to get big? Not in person, not DJing, IRL. Anyway, uh, I just think it's a really good place in the Internet to market yourself, market your music. Take my advice. I'm usually ahead of the times. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, other than that, I had this really fantastic interview with Weebang, which is very nostalgic for me. Um, and I have known Greg for quite a while, but we haven't like hung out on a super personal level. We've, we know a lot of the same people. We have talked a lot, but we have never like had a good conversation. So, it was really cool to just like chill and talk and discuss the old times with him. So I was really excited that he agreed to interview with me this month. And uh, here is our interview, which I felt was like probably one of my best interviews that I've done. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, again, we are... Cyber Groove Agency, uh, Facebook, CG Agency, Insta, Cyber Groove AM, Twitter, CG Agency, uh, we've brought on some new talent, we keep putting out the mixes, which is dope, just trying to keep you guys entertained. So since we last talked, what has come out is always check out our Tuesday Tuesday. Uh, we just put out Garva MC Rhythmix for our CG radio sessions. Uh, we just put out a debt mix DEBT, which is a local here in Phoenix who's always been super dope to me. Um, we've got DJ Odie, Odai, um, and that's what we've done since I last talked to you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you guys have a good couple weeks until I hear from you soon. Talk to you soon. See you soon. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. Bye. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's up? Hold on. Why's my, uh, just got done eating dinner. Hold on a second. What's going on here? Why am I, my camera's not working. Typical Zoom meeting. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> oh, start video. There we go. Boom. Yo. How you doing? I'm good considering circumstances but yeah i'm doing good good how are you i'm doing wonderful As good always. yeah well Living thank you for joining me today i appreciate it Absolutely. um you're probably one of our i would say biggest um guests so far we did have divinity who is killing it right now and has been um but we're really excited to have you. And I don't even 
I mean, I know you've been doing mastering, but I don't really know what else you've been up to. What you, okay. So for anyone that does not know, this is Greg Weebang. How do you pronounce your last name? Orlemans? Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Whoop, whoop. All right, cool. So do you live in what? Northern Arizona? Or... I live in Kingman, Arizona. It's like yeah. uh, 45 minutes from Havasu. I would say Northern. It's more like. Uh... On the way to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little hillbilly town on the way to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. That's how I know Kingman. Um, so you have a family out there, yes? Yeah. It's me, my wife, and our son, Ryder. And... Cool. Yeah, we just live it up out here. It's nice and cheap, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm all about these days. <laughs> so, yeah. Kind of just um I lived in California prior and that's a nightmare out there trying to <laughs> Yeah. And uh well, yeah, so I'm we moved out here or I moved out here and yeah. Much easier. <laughs> yeah, a lot slower living for sure. Yeah. I live downtown Phoenix, so uh, yeah, it's a little crazy around here, but um, I just, I'm buying a house out in Chandler, so I'm going to slow down, which I'm reaching my late 30s, so it's about time for me to slow down. The pandemic kind of just made me slow down anyway and be like, hey, bitch, you're almost (laughs) 40. Uh, You need to get your shit together. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I mean, cool. Well, um, I have some questions for you, obviously, because you are the interviewee. Um, I have so many questions for you. So let's see. Let's start out with um, how did you get started with making music? And we'll get into what you do now. Well, you still make music, but yeah. you do other things on the side. Or, well, I I don't make music anymore really now. I mean, I make music, but not because to make music, to be like an artist, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but I mean, I think I started writing music like electronic music back in uh, like 1999 or something, 2000. I was DJing back in like 1997 and uh, I always just did it for fun. And then, um you know i like always was like oh that'd be cool to like release a song on a record label but all through like the 2000s my songs just kind of sucked i mean they were like (laughs) not that they sucked they were just like you didn't make music back then to be like whoa you know you literally made music because you're having fun you weren't trying to be like a star or a brand or anything like that you were literally like I just made music because it was fun to make music. I wasn't trying to be anybody. I DJed in my bedroom. I made music and I had fun and that was it, you know? And then um, in two, 2010, I just sent one of my songs to Reed Speed and she's like, hey, you want to sign this? And then like that during that time is like when I was like, oh yeah, like I'm down. That's cool. Somebody likes my music. And then everything just kind of started blowing up you know and so what track was that oh that was smash the floor on <laughs> play me records yeah I, I actually just listened to that because it was it's i have told you this several times it's so nostalgic to like 
the 2010 era. I remember like driving in, um, where's NOS Event Center? Um, a San Bernardino. San Bernardino, yeah. I remember like uh, we were going to Nocturnal and like my friend was cranking Smash the Floor and I was like, <laughs> yeah. And like that became our anthem and it still probably is one of our anthems. So I always tell you how much I love that track. It's so like 2010, it's like good, simple, like starting to get dirty, but not super dirty dubstep. Well, yeah. then Skrillex not me at a number one on beat part and that's when it <laughs> changed it all changed after that it was went completely different and it was really weird because like smash the floor made a lot of money but i didn't expect it to i had no intentions of being a dj really like i had to, this is what happened was uh, <laughs> i made the track and it blew up and went number one and next thing i know i've got like 30 DJ gigs and I barely even know how to DJ. I mean, I know how to DJ. <laughs> I know how to DJ, but I never never DJ like at parties. I was an MC before, like a really crappy Arizona drum bass MC. <laughs> 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 but, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, but um so yeah, it's it's really strange how all that like just kind of flipped and it was like you got to start right. DJ. Oh, I think it was, it's not that I didn't know how to DJ. <clears throat> it's that after that song went number one, I always spun on turntables. I liked scratching and I liked mixing on turntables. Me too. The very first gig I had and every single gig for the most part after that was all CDJs. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, my first gig was at church drum and bass. And that was when that place used to just go off. It was like McNasty and the dumb steppas and all those guys. Mm -hmm. And there'd be like 200 people packed in this little tiny bar. That was just crazy. But he was like, you're, uh, he asked me to come DJ. And then I did, he's like, so were you CDJs? And I was like, I don't know how to use CDJs. What? Yeah. You don't got turntables. <laughs> you know? I had that. I've had that same experience. Like yeah, I and, learned on vinyl. So what? <laughs> yeah, and then I had to learn how to see, use CDJs in like uh, a matter of like an hour, I guess, because mm -hmm. I didn't know it. So they had like this like pool party before they had the actual show that night. They were just having like a get together pool party. So I had to like learn at that pool party figure out how to dj on cdjs and like i think the night before i was like spent like four hours burning cds because it wasn't usb sticks it was cds i mm -hmm. go like buy a record like a little cd case and everything case. <laughs> yeah it was so strange <laughs> i remember bringing crates to friend's house with records in them you know then What's you have that? your little cd case yeah yeah I you're think like oh i like... got a hundred disc ones <laughs> yeah yeah i was trying to figure out all these cds and how they're all arranged and everything that was very strange time but it was super fun and i mean that was like the epicness of like the ross part of like dubstep then you know towards like 2015s and like mid 2015 2016 things just kind of changed i had a i i went through a couple little duos with some uh with a guy named Aramon from Mustache Riot, which that was real fun. And then I did this 
WB XMB thing with this guy who's we've now departed. We don't have to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we canceled that. Um, yeah. But uh, and then, you know, to present time, like I think like last year, no, not even last year, like. But last year, like really it came, I guess, was in January, I was like, I'm just so over making music for making music. Like, I don't want to make music and put songs out and do promotion and all that stuff. I don't like any of that stuff. I like to make music. You yeah, know, we're, people we're making have dr- expectations when yeah, you like, just, are a producer, like they expect you to, and then it puts pressure on you and it's not fun anymore. Yeah, it was just completely not fun anymore. And I have to support my family and I'm making a living and I'm doing mixing and masterings taking off and um, and my sample packs were taken off. I mean, that was like my huge thing is mixing and mastering and, and samples. And then the music that I do write is usually demos for my sample packs. You know, it's not I don't write just I'm doing I have a drum and bass group called Noise Complaint with um, Dave Hauser, Bad Martian. Esker, Brett Esker, and uh, Mike Ragascum, and uh, they make the tunes for the most part. I'll make some sound designs for it, and then I like just mix and master them. So that's like real fun because I don't have to put energy into being creative, overly creative. What I've come to realize is I'm really good at making songs that sound one second long which is samples. <laughs> so <Right>. like, <laughs> I'm really good at making the sounds that people use to make songs. And uh, I'm okay with that. You know, like I, I never made like after smash the floor, I never had this like crazy release like that, you know, which yeah. was totally fine. But um, I just, it never was like hit it off. We didn't, get like these crazy huge amazing things where we're always just kind of like uh mid-level guys that just kind of stuck in that mid-level purgatory between like the greatest and then the people that are coming up (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it's not a fun place to be but i enjoy things now in the present time and i learned a lot through all that stuff so yeah yeah how i got started and where i'm at today Cool. Um, so I was looking through these Smash the Floor remixes and I was wondering, are there any honorable mentions that you were like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty tight. Um, these guys did a like rock and roll like college party. I just watched that one. Remix one. <laughs> and they were the nicest dudes. They hit me up and were like, can we use your song? And I was like, yes, you can because they sent it to me and I was just like, have fun, man, you know? And that's what it was all about. You know, I mean, these days you couldn't get away with doing stuff like that. People just be like, you got to pay me or whatever, you know, but um, Carrier, he was a guy from back in like 2012, 2013. He was like, uh, it was, he was on play me. It was Carrier and somebody else. And uh, he did like a Moombatone remix, which is really cool. Um, I don't know if it's still up and if it's even searchable or, or if it, it comes up in the searches. But um, 
and then um Bla a blaze a blaze did one recently on that tenure and that one was cool that was like a really cool take on it because um i could never get a modern sound i did a random drum bass remix that sounded really cool um but i don't know what happened to that one it's in the like archives somewhere <laughs> I'm trying to remember the one, like the one that I, I can't, I, I don't know. I tried to find it actually before our call. There was one where it was just like, it wasn't a remix. It was like more of a mashup, I guess. And there was like vocals. Have to oh, it out. yeah. <clears throat> I forget yeah. who did that one. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And then. Do you mind if I play Smash the Floor like, oh, yeah, go ahead. right now? Do a little snip. Are you going to copyright me? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So I'll find that one. And then, uh, then I mean, this is listen... pure 2010 dubstep. I mean, yeah. mix downs and stuff weren't really, I, I had no idea what I was doing back then. <laughs> when you listen to this podcast back, you're going to be like, oh, that's the fucking one she was talking about. Um, so how did you get your name? Uh, I was just trying to have fun and I was writing music with this dude, Johnny down in Huntington beach. And, um, he was a really cool dude, laid back dude, but he always like wanted this really serious name uh, or whatever. And I was like, man, we should just be like, we bang, like we bang, like our music sick because we were also just coming out of that, like electro era, you know, like 2008, 2009, like party down in oc electro how like it was just called electro you know and, yeah like and that was like a party vibe and i was still stuck into that like party vibe so like oh no we'll be a cool name like a fun name and then he was like nah i don't want to do that and we went our separate ways and i just was ended up being wee bang and i to be honest i never like really liked the name <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't like uh, i don't know if i could have been like man you could have named yourself something like still cool, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> your, just... your DJ name was still cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I was never like, Oh my God, this is, but it was whatever. I just embraced it, you know, cause I was just living in the moment. I didn't yeah, know for what sure. I was doing. Um, so we have, I don't, I'm sure we've met IRL what we met in, LA a couple years ago I came out for a drum and bass show and then you've played some messy Phoenix shows in your oh, time oh man yeah <laughs> that one was horrendous <laughs> which I believe I was there um we met through Nick and Randy yeah and I was thinking about that picture where I put you and him side by side where you had like the same haircut <laughs> long live Randy oh um, yeah all right those just such a great dude and yeah that was a really crazy uh dj set down in phoenix oh I, 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 that's one of those sets where i was like i really fucked that one up because <laughs> i had gotten so drunk prior and it just all turned into a disaster i don't even i mean i was kind of pretty much blacked out um we had a those guy who couldn't hear with us he was like deaf and um he did something like passed a note to somebody uh, uh passed a note to some chick 
and it wasn't like anything bad or like absurd or anything it was like hey i'm deaf or something like he was he couldn't <laughs> hear or what he was just trying to tell it was i remember seeing it i just remember not being like a bad note or whatever mm-hmm. and they kicked him out his boyfriend or the chick's boyfriend like tried to fight him and then they kicked him out and everything and and I was all drunk and I stopped the music. I was like, you're going to let this guy back in or else I'm not going to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like Mary's losing her shit. Like, yeah. And, and, and like, they were like my agents, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, they were part of the team. So I just made myself look like a real ass. And I always felt bad for that. I, Cause as I mean, I'd like to say that's who I wasn't. I, I'm not that type of person, but uh, I was drunk. And when I was drunk, it, I was just crazy. It's hard <laughs> to be around Nick and Randy and like not just get super drunk. They're party yeah, boys. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, and we've talked about you coming back and now it's never going to happen. Maybe I can get you, maybe I'll throw a show one day and I'll get you to come play and redeem yourself. You could do uh the drum bass group you know? yeah they, they we all they would all come out and play and that would make me play you know and um yeah that's a lot funner anyways that whole vibe is real cool um, yeah um so speaking of uh how like did you what was your first show and like how did you realize like oh like i am down with drum and bass um my first drum and bass like what my first show ever yeah like, let's go with that and then we'll talk about drum and bass golden 1997 i think it was dj line and tc islam and we were just like oh i it might have been 98 i can't remember all i know is <laughs> we were raving and that's what we were about <laughs> there's there's five ravers where i grew up in Lake Havasu City nobody was mm-hmm. everybody made fun of us we were just five people and we all went out there and we had a time of our lives and um you know I was like a like a little candy kid for the, like the first like five months of like my raving <laughs> and uh just all into the, like the rave and everything, you know and then the drum and bass took me over I think after that I saw um like some hip step massive or something like crazy and a bunch of b-boys and I was like this is like more my style you know and um I can't remember too many of the names of the shows I also was like really into turntablism and drum bass so I would go to like I knew that b-boys and poppers would be at the drum and bass and turntable shows so that's what I'd always go to Um, yeah and then yeah um and then the first show I ever DJed was the first show I ever DJed was for um, for church drum and bass, right? And it, there was like I said, it was this like little dive bar, but man, they packed it, and it was crazy. It was it was wild. Um, but like the first like real big show I DJed was like six days after, seven days after that. So it was on church was on sunday and it was the following saturday or whatever it was with uh downlink um mark instinct reed speed um skrillex was there he was playing on the main stage and we were all on this thing and i like pulled up and 
again, just like still trying to figure out how to CDJ it up, you know, um, cause I didn't have a way to like really practice. I had to like find people who had CDJs. I didn't have CDJs. Um, but I was the first person to play that day and it's like five o'clock and there's like zero people in the room. And then in like five minutes, there's like a thousand people in the room. And I was just like, Oh my God. (laughs) And like, just didn't really expect that. And then, uh, it was really fun. And by the end of the night, I was emceeing for downlink and read speed with Alexander Rawson and we were hanging off rafters and hanging out with Skrillex. <laughs> and it was the craziest, funnest thing ever. That was awesome show. So, yeah. Cool. Miss those times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know a lot about this. And I'm sure a lot of people don't know a lot about this. But tell me about um, mixing and mastering. Like, what exactly do you do? So, um, people send me their music as the second set of ears. So like my clients, mostly all electronic music I have a one synth band that I work with out of, uh, like some Russian place. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) they're really good though. Um, but, uh, basically like clients, they send me their tracks and, they want me to be the final set of ears and make it so that uh, it sounds good on all formats. You know, it sounds good on Spotify, sounds good on SoundCloud and on YouTube and whatnot. And that, you know, they hire me to listen to it and kind of like fix things, you know, and just make sure that it sounds perfect. So how do you fix them? Like, do you use the program? Like, yeah, so I have a, it's all from the studio all the way down to the monitors, a lot of expensive stuff. And then, you know, when they deliver stuff, like the reality is, is like, uh, so they send their stems or their track, right? I use a program. Um, I have a mastering chain. I have like plugins or I, um, if I'm mixing stuff, I have like analog hardware and I use plugins. Um, and basically, it's just, you know, take my tune and make it sound professional as possible. And that's what I do. So um, I currently like mix like three to four tracks a week, which is pretty good. I mean, I think most engineers would want that. Um, and then I master like 10 to 20 tracks a week or nah, uh, like 10 tracks a week. I, I took this new approach. I would always be like the guy who could get things done in like 24 to 48 hours when it came to mastering. And these days I'm like, you gotta just step in line and like go through the queue, just like everybody else. Like you have to, I can't the process. Yeah. And that, and then like, I'm not, I don't want to stress myself out and try to just constant. So what I do is instead of working like eight hour days, every single day of just like listening to music Maybe I only work six hour days and spread it out over the week so that it's like nice and even, you know what I mean? Um, Because I might work like three days and then I might not have something one day or I might, or I don't know. Um, I mean, for the most part, I'm pretty slammed, but I just 
I figured a way to like balance it out and make it a lot less, a lot less stressful. Cause these like in this process, I mean, you got kids that are working on tunes, like on the weekends and stuff. And they're all excited. Like, Oh my God, like I just finished this tune. Can you listen Hurry to the it? fuck up? Yeah. You know, you're like, you're like, Can you listen to it right now? And I'm no. like, it's, it's nine o'clock on a Saturday and I'm like about to go to bed. Because <laughs> I'm that's what I do, you know, or I'm chilling with my wife or my kid. Like we're not trying to work, you know, and um, they're just excited. So I just it's like, hey, I say just email it to me and I'll listen on Monday. But um, that's like constant. These kids are super excited that they made music and they're constantly trying to have you listen to it, you know. And I'm yeah, well, it's nice to, to like come back to something with a fresh ear yeah and, like with producing too like I've sat in the studio with Nick countless hours and then you know you when it's like when you're writing a paper or you know you're working on a project like forever and then like getting up and taking a break and you come back and like there's more clarity yeah absolutely I don't I it's really important as an engineer that you don't overwork yourself you know yeah yeah you don't overwork your ears um and that you just kind of like go at your flow and make sure people understand that like if you want quality like don't don't rush me yeah hold it and I've gotten that way with like 99.9 percent of I mean like 99 percent of my clients and the people that do want to rush usually understand like oh okay like it's all good I can wait type thing so right yeah it's, and if it's, they want quality like sorry my dog's growling <laughs> uh, if they want quality like you you kind of have to wait for it if you want shitty you know work you gotta go somebody else or whatever yeah, yeah you exactly. know it's nice it, it you know it pays the bills and the i think the thing i love about it most is i get to work on other people's creations I don't have to stress out about making the music myself. I just get to make it sound good, which is what I like to do. Like, yeah. so I had this guy, Jin Song. I hope I said that right. Jin Song. He's from British Columbia, but he sent me his track like um, two weeks ago. It was a great track already when it was sent to me. So I just got to add my magic to it. You know, like I got to add my flavor of processing and like just really make it sound like it's going to be like a record selling track like a, a track that's going to sell a lot of records so that's a, ideally you know things that we want and um or sometimes i get people who send me things that are very raw you know and you have to like start from the ground up and could be a nightmare sometimes that so. sounds like shit yeah. how, do, how am yeah. i gonna make this sound good yeah 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 it, you just <laughs> you figure it out you know <laughs> but uh yeah so that's pretty much what i do with all that what's the difference between mastering and mixing mixing so, and mastering a mastering they're gonna send you just the whole track um we're just working on the track itself generally you like to think that your clients have a decent mix already i'm just listening to the track I'm observing the things that are inconsistent. I'm listening to the balance. Is the sub too much? You know, is the kick and snare too much? Are there harsh frequencies? And I'm trying to 
do the least amount of work as possible um, and just really focus on listening and trying to adjust things very like very small adjustments, you know? Um, so that's mastering and then, um, and making it kind of loud at the end. Cause that's what people want electronic music. They want it to sound good. And then after that, they want you to make it loud like everybody else's track. Uh, and then with mixing, they send the individual parts. So all the synths, all the basses, all the sound effects, all the vocals, they send all that stuff. Now, I prefer, and, and this is like in the new age is um, most artists can mix decently. So I have them send their like best mix. And then I want the stems to sound exactly like that. So I can go in and I can clean it up. In the old days, they would just send you like raw stems, like the bare bones of it. And then you have to add all the processing on it. And it's, that's like a nightmare. We don't have to do that these days, but we're really just with, you know, a mix and master, it's like total control. And how can I make this thing like really come alive? Because I have individual, you know, individual control over, you know, their synths and their bass. And maybe I want to make things sound more three-dimensional or I want to things sound more punchy. Well, I might not be able to do those things just on a master, you know? So with mixing, it allows me to, to have full control of that. Cool. Well, that helps me understand a lot more because I knew it was fine tuning. I just didn't know how it worked. You know what I mean? Mixing's a lot more expensive than mastering. You know? Okay. <laughs> the mastering engineers have some of the best ears on the planet. And I mean, in, in electronic music, a lot of the mastering engineers are also the mix engineers. But I mean, in most music, you know, there's a separate mastering engineer too, or in like really high scale, like you have like, um, like, like really top artists, you know, they'll have somebody mix their track and then somebody else will master it or whatever. Getting okay. just final different pairs of ears, you know what I mean? To listen to it, really expensive ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they want the best. So. I'd be sitting in the studio with Nick and I'd be like, Hey, should you do this? He'd be like, shut up, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <Bugger>. like Nick. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, what is, have you, uh, what, what was your favorite show? Like what festivals have you played? Um, I played a one called love groove in Victorville. And it was like me, anti-serum funk case, Xylent, Skrillex was there too. He was on the main stage. Um, and there's some, like Dirty Audio, a, a, a bunch of just huge artists. I was like the first huge artist to go on. But I wasn't like a, as huge as the huge artist, you know. I've always been like a step right below, which is totally fine. Um, that was like the funnest one because there was like two or 3,000 people and they were all just having a blast. And at that point, I th kind of had things under control, like as far as like DJing and having a good time DJing and not, you know, over partying and stuff like that. So um, I just remember that set, like at one point, like I walked onto this wall of speakers and I was just like soaking it up and 
you know, and I just felt it. I felt the <laughs> crowd and I was like, oh man, I made it, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, that was cool. So that, um, I played some really cool ones in Detroit that were like, just straight up. Like I played one in, in Detroit on Halloween. No, I'd played one on Halloween, but I played one on new year's in this place called the works, which is like a legendary place in Detroit. And it took me two hours to get to a bathroom and the place is like the size of my house you know <laughs> like, like I mean, the line just goes around the whole you know, like, thing like, like the, the venue is like <laughs> the size of my house you know it was like this club I mean it was a little bigger like the main room held typically the main room would hold like two three hundred people they for sure had like 1500 people at that whole place a bar that probably <laughs> has like 500 people that can fill out the capacity. It was crazy. And like, I had to go to the bathroom right before I was DJing. And that was the worst part. Cause it was like, I had already went to the bathroom once and it took me like two hours to get to the bathroom. And I was like, Hey, I got a DJ in like 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the mo- like most time management. Yeah. They don't difficult have a- things when you DJ. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a green room at that place. So you just got to go through the crowd and you got to walk through. But I tell you what, man, that place, when I was throwing down, they just were going absolutely berserk. Shit. It, was just, <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun. And then that, right after that, Godfather played, which was like a total switch up. And he's like known for like crazy Detroit, like techno and house and stuff and kind of like uh, breaks and stuff and just went off. And so it was cool vibe. Went from like hard dubstep to house and these people are just loving it. Cool. Um, I like intimate parties too. There's like this crew that uh, throws this party in Flagstaff in the summer. Uh-huh. It's called June Jam, and it's very like Wookie, but it's very like a lot of drum and bass. My friends like throw a drum and bass stage on a, a Sunday afternoon, so you're like sitting in the like woods, oh, jamming cool. out to drum and bass. Um, and then yeah, you can bring like I don't know, you it's a camping festival, yeah. so you can bring like a trailer or whatever. Like, oh, I'll invite cool. you and your lady in case yeah. you guys want to get down, like, yeah, bass party. Um, Yep, but yeah, obviously. it's really cool. And it's very intimate, like a yeah. few thousand people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I just have, let's see, one weird question for you. Do you have any t- like weird t- hidden talents or like? Yeah, I have any party- weird hidden talents? Uh, yeah, like party tricks? Uh, no. Uh, not that I know of. I mean, I used to like, pop i mean that's not like a hidden talent i was like a dancer for a long time yeah really yeah i I was like doing the robot everywhere and stuff (laughs) popping going in all kinds of like popping circles and stuff but i don't know like it my talent is just sounds Mm -hmm. you know that's so um, i got like robot noises in my head 24 (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm like kind of good at a lot of things yeah. So like I'm kind of good at dancing. I'm kind of good at singing. I'm kind of good at, you know, art. Like right. so I don't have one thing that I'm just like good at. But my I haven't shared this, even though I've asked this question. My talent used to be that on you know on Titanic when Rose goes up on her toes. Yeah. I used to be able to do that until I 
weighed a little bit more though I don't think I, I think my toes would probably break now but that's my hidden talent <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I don't have any of those <laughs> um cool well I'm gonna wrap this up and cool. tell us how to get a hold of you if we you know if we were an artist that wanted to have some mixing and mastering done and oh, yeah you could uh email me at the lion's den mastering at gmail.com so the lion's den mastering at gmail.com um i'm on instagram at the lion's den mastering um and then i have a lion's den mastering facebook page um i'm not like crazy active i'm more active on my personal page you'll just have to figure that one out yourselves people <laughs> listen to this but uh <laughs> and then uh yeah you can hit me up on any of those things so cool well thank you so much again i told you chelsea was really stoked when i told her that i knew you and she's like what you know we bang she's like <laughs> book him for a podcast i'm like i bet you'd be down so there we're we really go. excited for you oh, to be a guest cool man uh, um, i follow you guys a lot and you guys are kicking butt with that agency so doing cool, a lot of cool things and, yeah i appreciate just, you guys having me on yeah, we're just trying to like push things through quarantine until we can actually get shows started again and have, you know, our mixes that we can actually display artists that aren't even on, you know, the roster and people. I've gotten a few mixes from like my local area and mm -hmm. we're doing the podcast now. I've always wanted to do a podcast because I am pretty personable and I enjoy like meeting people and asking questions so this yeah. was the perfect opportunity for me um so yeah we just out here doing doing the damn thing so cool. um when shit gets better me and you and your uh girl can go party up at uh Flagstaff and at be whoops for a weekend yeah <laughs> sounds good and uh and I'll cut I'll book your drum and bass crew and you guys can come play down here. Sounds good. All right, cool. We'll get All right. Thanks for having me on. Have a good one. Of course. You too. Bye. Bye.